0: Good morning. On April 10th,
1: 1922. Great cool, and it's WBT, W-B-T Charlotte, North Carolina. I remember we would listen to WBT. Yeah, Hopper this was a big broadcast for WBT. Martin, let's That it out there. What do you want to hear tonight? Hello, WBT. You're on the air. Hello, Bob Lacey. Hello there, neighbor. Hello, first-timer. <laughs> take it by Let's go. First best what about Charlotte Hornet? History's been made. Hurricane Hugo has made landfall.
0: No power. No information coming into the station other than the telephone. Cut him down. Cut
1: him it's it's down. a very special radio station because people care. It's the John Hancock radio program. Carolina Panthers have been named the oh NFL's newest expansion. Panthers no. with their first back touchdown. Bank of America Stadium. Kind of jumping back and forth in our coverage For here. A long, strange trip it's still is. Throw me in the pool, please
0: managed to evade police. I'm David Chadwick. That the plane play. has now crashed into the World Trade Center. Uh, it would appear purposeful. Be the first to welcome you to our little club thingy. I'm
2: CC Sims. Charlotte's Mr. Wright. Carolina Panthers are headed to Super Bowl Fifty. Show
3: up. be continuing protests this evening. I can just tell you what I know.
2: We may see some serious issues here at midnight. We're providing insight that they're not getting anywhere else. Mr. Trump, welcome to Charlotte Radio. Good morning, Bob.
4: Hey, gather around,
1: my friends, this mythical palette. WPT. The great.
4: Of the South through the years.
1: I love this radio station as much as you guys do, but I
4: love this radio station because of you guys. This powerful voice of the good stuff. This is Bo Thompson's Century Podcast.
1: It's 12.05, and from the WBT Storm Center, I'm Scott Kilgore. Good morning. Hurricane Hugo has made landfall, is
2: making landfall at this hour. It was 30 years ago this weekend that Hurricane Hugo, a Category 4 storm, crashed into Charleston, South Carolina, just before midnight. Just north of Charleston, in Georgetown, is WBT's Jim Barrel.
1: And just a short while ago, we received information from law enforcement officials in the Charleston County area that uh, the Isle of Palms and Sullivan's Island, where the storm came ashore, have been destroyed. We when have, they hit uh, uh, the barrier, you know, they're still fresh from the ocean. The land hasn't pulled those winds down yet. Uh, there must have been 150 miles an hour winds uh, running into the beach homes and cottages on
2: those two islands. After devastating a stretch of the South Carolina coast the storm's 135 mile per hour winds churned inland ultimately arriving in the Charlotte area several hours later. Sharon Shuffleman is back in here now. Sure. Yes we've got some information from the National Weather Service. On the air at WBT that night the late Tom Desio, Scott Kilgore Sharon Shuffleman and eventually morning duo Don Russell and James K. Flynn.
4: About uh,
1: 15 minutes ago winds of 55 to 65 miles an hour were Observed seven miles south of Monroe. Assuming we're still on the air, let's go back to Tom Desio. I'm Scott Kilgore in the WBT Storm Center, and we will be back with you uh, definitely at 4.05 and before then if
3: necessary.
0: Thank you, Scott, and we did have a little blurb there, a little power shake-up outage for just a moment, but we're back now. We have had a call, Scott. Several people are leaving their third-shift jobs in and around the city. Mm -hmm. Are we uh, telling people not to? We have no power. That's right. We have no wire machines. We have no typewriters. We have no computers. Uh, We have uh, no information coming into the station other than uh, than the telephone, so that's
2: uh, that's pretty much the way it stands. Now this was well before the age of the internet, or smartphones, or any mobile phones for that matter. And with no electricity in much of the city, battery-powered radios turned to 1110 a.m. became a lifeline. There's a number of
1: power lines down, uh, traffic lights are down, trees are across the road. Obviously power is the major consideration. Also, the food situation in schools. If you must drive, please ask someone else to drive with you. This will significantly reduce the number of cars on our street. We have received a fresh shipment of batteries of all types but especially D batteries. We were advised that all perishable foods, including meat, seafood, dairy products, eggs, and items which require refrigeration after opening. Checking to see what the situation is with automatic teller machines, how
2: banks are operating today, if they will be at all. Even WBT's power was off and on, and then came another problem. One of our own control towers, like 4,800 other trees around town, toppled to the ground. Then Chief Engineer Bob White recalls the terrifying
1: moments. Double WBT utilizes three towers and those towers provide a directional signal for the transmitter and we have an A and a B and a C The A is closest to the road with C being the farthest from the road in an inline Pattern I did not see C tower come down uh, during the night It was too dark but a tower was another story. I had been up at B tower We were checking on our microwave and as I drove down towards the first tower I made a left turn and came across and I saw movement in my rearview mirror and when I stopped and got out and looked, it was the A tower. It had collapsed right down over my tracks just moments after I passed
5: under. That had to be barely missed his car.
2: Yeah. And then you get this news that this happened when? Later. Yeah. This
5: this was later that day when when Bob was coming and we were finding out what was happening with the with the different areas of the station. But matter of fact, I brought this along. This sits on my desk at home.
2: And you're holding up uh, what this looks is like
5: a, this is a bolt. And this is an actual bolt from Tower A. Bob said, "I'm going to just throw this out." I said, "No, no, 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 no."
2: <laughs> so when you look at that bolt, if you could kind of encapsulate what comes to your mind when you look at that bolt, uh, you know, of that day, of that time period, what 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 immediately comes?
5: What immediately comes is the way that the station and, to a later factor, the city came together. My wife was talking to a friend of hers. They, we, she take the kids back to school and was talking to this this woman and she said she was huddling in her basement with her two small children. She was in one of the harder hit areas of the city. Trees were crashing around the house and into the house and uh, her husband was out of town on business and all she had was a <laughs> <laughs> it's funny it still chokes me up. She had a flashlight and a transistor radio and she said, when I heard your husband's voice, I knew everything was going to be OK. And it's, it's scary in a way to think that you have that capability to either comfort or hurt. But that's why I think you and I both got into this business to begin with.
2: Remember that voice, because we're coming back to him in a moment but thirty years ago this weekend the city of charlotte was in chaos and much more adversity would come in the days following many people lost power for up to two weeks water and ice became scarce generators and chainsaws were treated like gold during its tropical and eventually east coast onslaught the storm killed forty one people and cost the united states nine billion dollars nine hundred and sixty four million in north carolina alone and it took our city the better part of a year to clean up and recover. You'd never know the difference in 2019, unless you know where all those massive trees used to be. Hurricanes come and go, and we know they always will. But if you were here in September of 1989, you know. And if you weren't, now you know, why when it comes to Charlotte and hurricanes, we measure things around here, In a post-Hugo world, I'm Bo Thompson, and on this edition of my Century Podcast, the duo that was on the air the morning of September 22nd, 1989, as Hugo was ripping through town. The two, the only, Don Russell, James K. Flynn, or better known during that period of time as simply Russell and Flynn. And I know when I say that, that uh, both of you were institutions in your own right already before the morning show duo ever came to be. But I think I'd probably be accurate uh, in saying that that's when you guys hit some lightning in a bottle. Would that be correct?
5: I think that'd be right, don't you? Except it's more like we were institutionalized. <laughs> <laughs> <than>
2: institutions,
3: but. <laughs>
2: Welcome back to uh, One Julian.
3: Thank you very much. So the story is, when we got together, uh, I was doing afternoon drive at the time, and uh, I used to do this bit in the afternoon. Was it Ask Mr. Show Business? No, it was, it was actually This Day in History. Oh, it was This Day in History. Yeah. So uh, I would do it, uh, I had been doing it by myself, and then James K came in one day, and was uh, he did it, the uh, what the statistics were, and he just started feeding me the lines because...
5: The thing was, his strong suit has always been right off the top of the head thoughts mm-hmm. and it when when he was doing it by himself, it was sounding like he was having to set himself up. I
3: did. I had to set myself up. It's like, you know, hi Don, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. Don. How you? <laughs> so I
5: said, you know, why don't you let me come in and, fee- and feed you the info? Yeah. Boom. Go, 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 to, go into your wheelhouse and go from there and it became a regular what 6:15 yeah. in the afternoon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: So how long has it been since the two of you have been in the same room in this radio station or in this building together on a microphone? Oh,
3: 1989. Oh, man. Yeah, 89 was when the hurricane was. So yeah. I guess and uh...
5: yeah, cuz it was September the hurricane and uh December when I was escorted.
2: Well, and I know oh, you all. I know you all worked together at another radio station. I think it was 104.7 for that's a little right. while, wasn't uh-huh. it? And Three you guys years. have remained friends and in oh, contact, yeah. obviously. But I was thinking about it before uh, you arrived. I, I, I wonder when the last time they were together in a room in a studio at this one, Julian Price place yeah. was. And uh, wow, it's almost
5: thirty years. That's yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would have been December the 9th was the last time we were on the air together.
2: What's it like to be Man, sitting you beside? Man, you remember it? the day? Oh
3: yeah, <laughs> two well, days after
5: Pearl Harbor, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what's it what's yeah, it yeah, the like? Haverty's remote that that <laughs> afternoon.
2: So I want to go back to what is it like for you two to be sitting beside each other right now in this building, and what what goes through your head?
3: Got any openings? <laughs> 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 I'll be perfectly honest with you. It's like picking up where we left off. That's what it sounds I mean, like to be, me, yeah. because. Uh, uh, we have remained friends over the years. We uh, we haven't done any gigs together, but we respect each other's talent to the point where it's just uh, you don't break stride. I know how he thinks. He knows how I think. If uh, If we had to do it again... Uh, you know, it would take about 10 minutes to prepare. and then we'd that, be, yeah. Yeah, and then we'd be ready to go. And right.
2: most of the time it was funny, but occasionally it wasn't funny. I mean, you you guys dealt with – I know we're not a news talk station back then, the way we are right now, but back in those days, sometimes it required you to be on the air when things uh, weren't at all funny.
3: 1982, the day before the uh, national championship, basketball championship, Reagan got shot. Yeah and uh, i was on the air at the time and it's one of those things where you're going along and you're having fun and you're kidding around and everything and all of a sudden paul randall dickerson the newsman at the time comes flying in the control room and he goes give it to me they just shot reagan well you go from being the funniest dude in america to being the most serious dude in america and the the uh trick or the uh, professionalism comes in as you know this is serious. I mean, uh, uh, all jokes are off. The president of the United States has been shot. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're going wall to wall here until uh, we find out exactly what's going on. So we, you're right. I mean, it goes from the, the, the peak of humor to the uh, uh, also, I guess, the peak of seriousness as well.
5: The day that I remember in particular, I, it was, I was on the air for some odd reason from nine to noon. There was, we may have been on the, Morning Man of the Du jour schedule <laughs> at that time. But uh, I was doing 9 to noon, and that was the morning of challenger.
2: Oh, January quarter. the 28th. That's yeah. Colin's birthday. 1986.
5: And mm-hmm. It was it, the thing that sticks in my mind about that is I was t- told later, because I was still production director as well as, well as filling in, that th- they wanted me to do a promo. On the coverage that we did, covering the Challenger, and I did a little 30-second WBT was there, we care, and I got more pushback. I think that promo ran twice, and it was yanked from the air because the phones lit up, not only here, but also in Greensboro, mm-hmm. Jeffersonville, so whole offices. office. How dare you try to capitalize on an emergency like this? Hmm. says, and you look at what happens today, that is what broadcasting is.
3: Yeah, that's right. I mean, the sooner you get on the air with something that uh, uh, glorifies a tragedy the more successful you are, which and is pretty I
2: sad.
5: Bet I know where this is leading you, young man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, recently, the 18th anniversary of 9-11. And that is one of those days, it's not the only day, I mean, you, you talk about uh, those who were alive, you guys both were, uh, correct, when when JFK was, was killed. Oh yeah, I yeah. was a
3: senior in high school.
2: So mm-hmm. uh, you have, everybody has those moments that they can point to, you know where you were on that day when it happened, okay? 9 11 for this current generation most of it, uh, is that day or one of those it, days it is. all across the country, you know, where you were, you know, what you were doing. And if you're in radio, you know, that you were doing something at the radio station to, uh, help get the word out. But that was a national story that we all shared. Nine Eleven Oh One is that story, but in Charlotte and this radio station in particular, nine 9- 89. That's right. Yep. That That is the seminal moment for people who lived in Charlotte during that time, if you were here in 89. And then if you worked at this radio station, uh, and you both did, you know the connection that the station had with the community back then. And like I said, I did not work here yet then, but I lived in Charlotte, and I experienced and I think uh, a lot of... It's not the only thing, but it certainly was one of the things that galvanized my interest in wanting to be here is hearing what you all did on that day or those two days and then the months after that, the weeks after that, the year after that. But Hurricane Hugo, the 30th anniversary, we are upon. Mm-hmm. And outside of the late Tom Desio, and I know Sharon Shuffleman was on the air with him that night. I know because I ha- I was rolling tape on it until I lost <laughs> power at home. Hmm. Uh, And then I converted to some batteries, and that's another story we'll get (laughs) to in a minute. But that night, Desio was on the air, Sharon Shuffleman, Scott Kilgore. And then this was a Thursday night into a Friday morning, the 21st into the 22nd. You all, the two of you, were doing mornings, Russell and Flynn, and I want to pick up from there. Because to me, uh, one of the best ways we can remember what happened 30 years ago is to hear... The uh, recounts of, of, of two guys that were, you were right in the middle of it here at this radio station. I'm going to play a piece of audio in a second that okay. I want to see if I can jog some memories. But for starters, Hurricane Hugo. Don Russell, what first comes to mind?
3: What first comes to mind is that was the greatest day in the 47 years that I spent on the radio. Wow. The, the greatest day. And I'll tell you why. Because we save people's lives. And that's, you know, the license for WBT and every other radio station says license to serve the public interest. Well, that doesn't get any more public interest than saving people's lives from a catastrophic hurricane. So that's what that's what I think of. But I also I remember exactly uh, like the hour or so before uh, I got to the station, the electricity in the house went off. I got up. My wife. Was the spokesperson for the school system at the time, and she knew it was going to be a red letter day for her too, so she came in here because she knew we would probably have phones that worked. So she came with me and jumped on the phones in one of the other offices. So I think we used we started we used to start at five, right? Five thirty. Five thirty. Yeah. Well, I think we. I know I got here about four thirty. You always got here before me. Yeah,
5: Mm because I did. I did most of my prep at home. Uh-huh. On the computer, which I couldn't do that
3: morning. Yeah, he like said there's uh-huh. no power. And I, I never used the computer to prep back then. I would read the papers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that sounds weird, but the the Observer, the USA Today, and the Wall Street Journal. I would scan them all before I went on the air because I didn't want to be FOMO, fear of missing out. So uh, Desio was doing the, like I said, doing the overnights. But then it really started to get bad and so we just kind of took over it wasn't commandeering anything it was just one of those things like man it's getting you could hear the trees snapping outside the window of the control room up against that glass as the wind was whipping through here and i i fortunately for whatever reason i've been through a lot of hurricanes i grew up in miami so i I knew what was going to happen, and people didn't know what was going to happen. You know, it was like, uh, well, it's going to be a little windy. I go, yeah, it's going to be a lot windy.
5: Well, Hugo originally was kind of a joke here because, uh, oh, Hugo, that's the mascot for the Hornets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Who cares about a mascot coming to town? <laughs> and nobody had said, oh, by the way, it might track this way a little bit. So it, the entire region was hit entirely by surprise. Uh-huh. There was
2: no precedent for a storm doing this. No,
3: uh-uh, nothing. And it surprised the heck out of everybody. And uh so th- that morning, now this is going to be really hard for anybody under uh a certain age to understand. There was no cell phone, there was no internet, there was no computer. It was just a fly by the seat of your pants. It was a real test of your Professionalism, and it was all hands on deck. I mean, everybody who was here was working to the same object A, yep. keeping the station on, yeah. and B, telling the people what was going on.
5: The only reason we were on the air was the engineering staff, uh, not only from the radio station, but also the TV station, uh, WBTV. They had, I was going to say, eight gas generators out in the loading dock and about 2,000 feet of extension cord. That's right. And they ran extension cords in so that the the board would still work. We had no electricity for the phone lines. So he's sitting and Don's sitting beside the phone, randomly pushing buttons to see if anybody was calling in. Because none of the lights would light up to say, oh, somebody's calling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was we, we were making it up as we went along.
3: Yeah, that's pretty much it, you know, and that's the way it was in those days. Uh, You became a jack-of-all-trades, and if you weren't a jack-of-all-trades, you'd lose your job because uh, it was, you know, you were hired to run towards the fire.
2: Well, let me play a piece of audio here from that night, the two of you on the air, and then we'll react to this. We
0: have no power. That's right. We have no wire machines. We have no typewriters. We have no computers. Uh, we have uh, no information coming into the station other than, uh, than the telephone. So that's uh, that's pretty much the way it stands. Good morning, Chip.
1: Morning. How are you? Uh, I'm tired. <laughs> I bet you are. What, what can you tell us about uh,
0: about the city and what, what is happening? What, what's uh, I, Where do we go from here?
1: Okay, right now we are... Uh... Trying to uh, get everybody to assess the damage. We've been here since early this morning. Uh, We're asking that everybody that doesn't need to be out on the roads to stay home. Uh, There's a number of power lines down. uh, Traffic lights are down. The trees are across the road. It's very difficult to get from point A to point B. Uh, Uptown area, there's still a lot of glass flying, uh, windows uh, blowing out, that type of thing. Uh, I've noticed that it's starting to calm down outside. And hopefully soon that's going to happen. Uh, and, uh, but right now, uh, we're just trying to uh, react to the situations that we have. Uh,
0: the, the major damage uh, is where?
1: It's all over. It's all over the county. We have the houses, uh, trees on them. Some have collapsed. Uh, there's no specific place.
0: All righty, Chip, I know that you're just really busy uh, assessing the damage and, and trying to get everybody taken care of this morning. Thanks for taking the time out to be on the air with us. Sure. We appreciate it. Okay. Chip Bailey from the uh, Mecklenburg County Police uh, uh, with uh, WBT. Hugo made landfall at one minute after midnight,
1: and it made it right where I am, basically, uh, here at Charleston Harbor, crossing uh, the barrier islands there,
3: especially... Sullivan's Island and Isle of Palm.
2: Those are the two barriers. So that's a little bit of the audio that I have. I never
3: heard that. Mm-hmm. I was told that there was no audio because we didn't have any power. The only power we had was to the board so that we could get on the air and to the mics. And that was it. I don't... Uh, the, we There's something called a skimmer. And it's whenever the microphone is on, there's a cassette tape and it rolls so it records what's going on. And that was down. So I don't know where you got that piece of tape, but...
2: It uh, came from an air, you know rolling tape on a uh, on a radio at home you know really? you can record on a on a machine yeah. at home and I hey, trust me I to do it all the time. Oh, man. The most uh.
5: amazing thing about that his voice hasn't changed not in 30 a years. <laughs> not a bit.
3: I still as irritating as ever. <laughs> and
0: all those resort areas down there they're 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 gone.
1: We've heard it's awful bad. We just uh you
2: know there's no way to get out I think this is now. Brian Thompson uh, from WBTV. Oh. Oh. County Police I may be Department. wrong about WBT that. WBT
1: and WBCY in Charlotte. not a state of emergency. Uh, we're going to declare. No, that's
2: interesting. A I think we just of, heard you James K do a, a station ID for both WBT and the FM counterpart which back then was WBCY maybe were both stations on uh, were you guys on on, on 107.9 too I, I don't know
5: I, possibly they may have decided to simulcast us yes yeah. I I really don't know
2: so when i play that uh, does do you remember that on the air, now that you hear it again, even though you haven't heard it in 30 years, do, are, are you flashing back to what you were doing at that moment?
3: Yeah, I sure am. Mm-hmm.
5: Well, the, the thing that always amazed me, we not knowing what was coming at us, even driving into the station that morning, yeah, it's raining hard and there's wind and there's a couple of limbs down, but who knew it was going to be a hurricane? Right. And when we're actually here at the station and the power's out, well, we've had power outages here before, not to this Extent, and the most of what we experienced as emergency situations was snow days. Yeah, what's closed. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, you're you're thrown into this situation of being a lifeline. But we didn't know we were the lifeline.
3: Yeah, not until it was over with. Did we were doing say? our
5: job. This is what we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to get the information out. Yeah, we're not being funny this morning. We're not playing any tunes because we have no power to play the tunes. (laughs) So
2: let's just do the job. That's an interesting concept though, and I've never heard it said that way. So you didn't realize what you were doing in the real time, that were you didn't realize that all these people were dependent on what you were saying to the extent that they were. Now Hugo was of course a story that night, but it was a story for the next month and beyond that. Uh I mean, I was out of school, I was in CMS, I was out of school without power for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I know that was... Uh, Some people had it worse than that. Some people had it better. But did you at some point over the next couple of weeks realize uh, that more people were listening to you because of this? Or was this something you found out or realized years later?
3: I didn't really care at the time. You know, it was like my job, the way I perceived it, was to get the information out to as many people as we could and as accurately as we could so that uh, uh, people didn't uh, feel terrorized. That uh, yeah we it was frantic, but we didn't want to go, uh, you know, your hair's on fire it was it, it, you just tried to do the best you can, like i don't remember <laughs> talking to to uh, chip, and I'm thinking sitting here thinking to myself, you know, I had never done anything like that before, and, and those were pretty good questions that, yeah. that I was asking him. you know so it's one of those things where w- when you get into this business at a young age and you are forced to uh, be a jack-of-all-trades rather than now, you know, Hurricane comes through, all the announcers hit the trail and it's all the news department. You know, they they, they carry the, the uh, load for everything, but it wasn't like that back
2: then. Well, and here's another thing, and you guys uh, I think you guys will agree with this, but Today, the idea of listening to a battery-powered radio is a foreign concept. <laughs> uh, and when we say batteries, we mean D batteries or C batteries, not a, a battery that you charge by yeah. plugging in a phone to the no, wall. No, no.
3: This is a dry. you know, the, like a the 9-volt. Yeah. You yeah. put in a flashlight.
2: A transistor radio. Okay. So, So people were all over Mecklenburg County and the listening area. Uh, They lost power. I mean, nobody had power. That was the big deal, is you had to learn how to live without power for uh, not a day, but weeks on end here. And so people had radios that, you know, a lot of those radios you could plug in, but you could also power it by batteries if you wanted to. So batteries became a, a commodity that, Water was a big deal, obviously. Power was a big deal. But batteries became things that people were uh, scouting for all over the area. And batteries for flashlights, batteries for uh, items that you could power in your home, but batteries that you would put in a radio so you could tune into WBT to be able to figure out what was going on out there. Because, like you say, the Internet was <laughs> nowhere near really? 1989.
5: And if you got the batteries, you needed to find ice. That yes. was the other big commodity. Mm-hmm.
3: I, uh, I can't tell you. It, it must have been god maybe 20 years after hugo people would come up to me uh, and go you know i was huddled with my family in the closet uh, in our house that uh, and we were all listening to the radio because you were the only uh, voice that we could get and that was the only information that we can find i mean it happens a lo- it happened a lot of times you don't realize it when you're doing it uh, like I didn't like I said I didn't know we were the only station on air at the time. You know how I found out? Chuck Boozer. He <laughs> he said, "Man, said I I was doing mornings at uh, 104.7 and we were down for the count and we were going nuts and you were the only uh station that uh, was on the air, so you were the lifeline for the information. We didn't have any way to rebroadcast it, but at least we knew what was going on.
2: You guys have been gone gone from the airwaves here for 30 years. But I know from talking to both of you over those 30 years, you still get people that you see that tell you stories about Hugo, don't you?
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But here's what you what you really uh, gets to you. You go through the mall and you go, uh, somebody will recognize me or recognize my voice. I, I used to be on TV, but people recognize my voice more than they recognize my face, to your point. Uh, <laughs> so they come up and they go, man, I want to thank you for getting us through Hugo. It, it was really just An unbelievable time. I was a senior at uh, South Mech High at the time. And uh, this is my son, and this is my grandson. You know, you you touch people's families that way, and when they point it out to you, it's it's really special.
2: There were uh, stories in the wake of Hugo, both on the station and off the station. Uh, There is one thing that James K. did that we're going to get to in just a minute, which uh, is one of the most synonymous things with James K. Flynn's time here at WBT, but I want to ask both of you, and I think this is a no-brainer question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, Uh, your most memorable and greatest moment on the radio in your career?
3: Yes, no question about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
2: I think it's ironic, based on what you just said, that... You all were on the air, and as you say, you didn't realize the service you were providing to the people in the greater Charlotte area, yet you knew in the back of your mind how far WBT stretched the Canada to Cuba, the old jingle and the old saying. Uh-huh. You knew how powerful the signal was, but you had no idea what a lifeline you were being to the people in the immediate vicinity of where you were.
3: That, that's right. You know, uh, we just did it thinking that everybody else on, was on the air, and they were doing it too. And it was uh, we, you fell into it. Oh, well, what's going
5: on? People need ice. People need um, emergency care. People need batteries. Uh, Let's open the phone lines. So we we were the link. We were the the bridge between the information that everybody needed and the way and, and that information. So... A lot of the times, the things that we did best was just shut up and let people.
3: That's exactly right. You know, we'd ask them where they were, what was going on. Was there any damage? Uh, are you okay? Is your house okay? Is your family okay? You know, only one person was killed during Hugo. One. It was a baby in Monroe. A tree fell on the house and into that baby's room and killed that baby. And that was the only fatality during Hugo. I know we look at things like, you know, Dorian and some of the other uh, phenomenal storms. Yeah. Now, Hugo was a category four when it came in at Charleston, but uh, uh, it was amazing how uh, everything kind of came together here. You know, after the hurricane, and this is going to go right into what you're going to talk about with James K's song, you could drive through the streets of Charlotte, especially in Myers Park, and it was like driving through a green tunnel. Yep. Because every tree, every branch, every limb, every uh, thing was piled probably 10, 15 feet high on the side of the road because of all the debris that had come down. It was truly amazing. And there was no electricity. As you say, we had the National Guard. Directing traffic at some of the intersections in Charlotte and that was really scary, you know because those guys aren't exactly seals so uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and we left off with the tape I played you all were there in the early hours of the morning on the 22nd and uh, Not everything was working Uh, you were using whatever you could use that would uh, offer you some sort of power now in the the days and weeks after that, uh, obviously the rest of the station's lineup came into play and and everybody played their part, but but real quickly here, what, what do you all remember and can you tell me about uh, the days after that seminal moment?
3: Well, the fact that there was no electricity for a great deal at the time. As you said, you were out of school for two weeks because there yeah. wasn't ele- any electricity.
2: And by the way, I, I they, we had the National Guard out directing traffic, Windover and Sharon Road is thereabouts where I grew yeah. up, and uh, I remember that very well, yeah.
3: So it was, that was the talk, you know, do you have power? Do you have water? Do the toilets work? I mean, uh, everybody, uh, there were a lot of block parties, you know. People would take stuff out of their freezer that was thawing, and they'd just cook it all on a grill and feed everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah. Stone soup, yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. tosses it in the pot. And-, and, and That's right. But one of the things that I remember vividly about the power, Bill Lee was the president of Duke Power at the time, the late Bill Lee, one of the great leaders of all time. And I remember somebody told me this might be apocryphal, but I think it's true. Bill Lee said to his underlings, he said, "Everyone in the area gets their power back before I do." He said, and he lived in Myers Park. He lived in a classy house, you know. He could have had them out, his underlings, you know, hooking up his power, no problem. But that was the kind of guy he was. He says, "My power does not come back on until every Duke Power customer has their power back." So that's the kind of guy he was. And within the building itself. Everybody
5: chipped in. Oh, yeah. Uh, You you had your assigned areas. You had sales. You had traffic. You had announcers. You had news. But for two, three weeks, everybody did everything. Yeah. Uh, And there, there was no... There was no rancor. There was no, I'm not getting paid to do this.
3: Yeah, there was no territorialization. There was nobody that was grousing about, uh, like you said, you know, hey, this isn't my job. Well, guess what? It is now.
2: Uh, And this was the era. You guys were doing the mornings, and then you had H.A., and then you had Mike Collins in the afternoon. You had Henry at night, Mm -hmm. and you had Tom Dezio. And so I would imagine... Uh, this brought the the on-air staff closer together because you had to join forces and do things. I mean, WBT's always done things in the community, but this was a whole new level.
3: The thing is, is that uh, at any other time when uh, you would come to work here, you never knew what was going to go on. You had to steel yourself before you came in the building because, God forbid, you got a bad haircut, uh, you bought some <laughs> ugly shoes... Uh, your car was dirty. You would never, ever, ever hear the end of it. I mean, it was just brutal. I mean, uh, but, you know, respectful, when, but brutal. Yeah. Yes. When, but when the, you know, the, you know, what hits the fan, everybody, uh, comes together and, uh, strives for the same thing for success.
2: So the two of you, Russell and Flynn, one of the funniest duos ever to be on the air here. And you had your share of, of. of comical moments you guys uh uh were, were legendary for that and yet here we have talked for the last half an hour about something completely serious and something that both of you say uh, was the defining moment in your careers it, it at this is. radio station
3: uh-huh. it, it really
2: was and then there was a period of time where you had to sort of figure out how to get back to normal right yes you got to figure that out i worked here during 9-11 i know in the month you know, at least a month after that happened, you you didn't know. There's the famous Saturday Night Live where Rudy Giuliani and Lorne Michaels are there, and he says, can we be funny again, right? Uh-huh, you have to figure out when that time and is. And then
3: Giuliani goes, why well, start now? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so James Kay, in the weeks after Hugo hit, and you have the initial power outages and you have the initial shock of it all slowly but surely things get back together uh, i'm going to play a clip here and, and actually because of the format of a podcast i'm going to play the whole thing at the end of this okay. okay so stick around if you're listening right now and you'll hear the whole thing but i'm going to uh, play a clip of this because this is something you put together in the days after hurricane hugo uh, i'm
3: going to correct you when this is over with but go ahead, let's listen to it Trimming,
4: Sawing, cut and trim and sawing through the wood you're drawing while your neighbor's jawing. Chainsaw with spark plug, gas, and oil on trees and limbs you'll toil till your yard is cleared up near and far. Old Hugo was a messin' it really was distressing. Trees upon your house and your car. Cut them down, chop them up. up, cut them down. Cut em down. Chop em up. Chainsaw, them up, chop 'em down, chop 'em down, cut 'em up. up, chainsaw.
2: So that's the first verse of the very. And I haven't heard
3: that in a long time. Famous. It's been yeah. a while, yeah. <laughs> so here's where I don't I want, even
2: have a copy
5: of
3: it. So here's where I want to correct you. It wasn't in the weeks. The ensuing weeks when that was put together, that was put together that night. Because I was on the air
2: the twenty third, the night of Hugo, really? Yes. Uh huh. Wow, I did didn't j- know that. You stayed. Actually,
5: I'm, I'm going to have to correct you. It was, <laughs> it was produced. The, it was produced Saturday. Saturdays. Because uh, that's
3: when the electricity came back. That's when the electricity.
2: Either way, came back. it's remarkable. <laughs> and
5: we we because we did Saturday mornings too, six to ten, and I got off the air at ten o'clock. It was more like eleven because H A. You still couldn't get into the station. So we the the hours were kind of flexible, so when I, whenever it was I got off the air, went into the production room sitting there going, "This has been a long seventy-two hours. <laughs> oh, what am I going to do now?" And with any songwriter, they'll tell you there's a seed, something that pops into your mind that says this is a, and this is what leads to the song. And we had been one one of the things people were looking for was chainsaws. Oh, yeah, yeah.
3: You in a chainsaw business? You
5: you, you're retired now. And I was going chainsaws, McCulloch, Poland, 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 Poland. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, two and a half hours later,
4: it's a Poland, Poland, Poland. Though your hands are swollen, keep them logs a rolling chainsaw. Because of all your labors, you now can see your neighbors. Maybe you can finally get some sleep. Then the purchase was a must, but now it just collects dust. Anybody wanna buy a chainsaw real cheap? <laughs> Cut them down.
3: Chop them up. up. Cut them down.
4: down. Chop them up. What
2: chainsaw. I love about this song is it up. really get traces down. the whole down. story all the way through, right? Yeah.
3: yeah. But the thing is, is that uh, I don't know if it's instinct or whatever it was. And it's difficult to describe to somebody who's never been through anything like this, but the uh, frantic nature of everything that was going on. No food, uh, no electricity, no water, no gasoline. Don't forget, you know, uh, gasoline is uh, uh, comes out of the pump via electricity. Right. Unless you're a real good siphoner. <laughs> but uh, so the, uh, people were really, they literally had their hair on fire because they didn't know what was going to happen. And we just got lucky going, man. We got to come up with some comic relief here, because otherwise people are going to go nuts. We got to give them something that's going to make them smile. So we got off the air at eleven. You put that thing together. You called me at home and uh, played Played it down the phone line. Uh huh. Played it down the phone line, and uh, we weren't on on Sunday. But when we came back on Monday, I think that's when we played it the first time. And oh man,
2: phones went nuts.
3: Oh yeah, Uh, people uh, instantly want to know where they could buy it. Uh, you know, play it again, play it again, play it again. Man, it was uh, it was really, really something. And it would, like I said, it was very uh, serendipitous that it came to pass just when the people needed something to uh, divert their attention. Lighten the mood. Mm-hmm. Lighten we the mood. we uh, made
5: cassettes and sold them for Penny Pitch. Yes, we did. Which was our charitable arm at the time. Uh, it was like 4,000 cassettes. Wow. Sold them
2: all. Well, uh, and the audio you just heard came from the cassette that I bought when I was a listener. (laughs) True story. Uh, That is the absolute truth. And I I still have it in my box of cassettes at home. So it comes full circle, right? Yeah.
5: You must have a room that is dedicated to nothing but WBT (laughs) stuff.
2: It's a shrine. And my wife wife keeps making me make it smaller and smaller. (laughs) You know how
3: on Law & Order when they catch some guy who's had a fixation with somebody and it's got pictures and letters and you know things with uh, pictures with knives in them and
2: stuff like that let's move this conversation <laughs> along <laughs> that's what your room must look like <laughs> well and, and and talking about come full circle you all have really kind of came full circle with your show we talked earlier about how uh, you guys were most of the time having fun on the air and then all of a sudden something comes along and shocks you into having to be serious for a period of time because you're dealing with uh, an issue that's in the name of public safety it's actually and, life and death is really what yeah, it is, mm-hmm. as you've described here. And then slowly but surely, you work your way back around to what you were before this all started. And I, I guess the the beginning of that, as you say, James K. was putting that song together because it it got people, like I said, Lauren Michaels, uh, can we be funny again? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we get back to normalcy? And so the station, uh, it's really a a, a a metaphor for what the station was to people at that time. You you go through the stages of responding to or dealing with uh, an event like that, and then eventually at some point, you all were back on the air as you were. But like you both say, we've finished talking about a story that uh, really, uh, you can't tell the Russell and Flynn story without talking about Hugo and Chainsaw.
5: Well, it's entertainment and information. That's what we, that's what our product was. Uh uh-huh. hmm and we, we had the information. We had the best news department in, in the history of broadcasting. We had the best on-air people, the entertainment value. You put those two together, and through the, through the sales department, you also give value through having ads on the air. And even the entertainment value of the ads had to be high. So th- there should be an
3: equal balance. Between information and entertainment and knowing when to do what yeah you know, I would love to go back i 'm sure they're not in existence because there was no there were no computers at the time, but if there, if you could have archived all the newscasts, the local newscasts from that time, it would be interesting to go back and see when Hugo was not the lead story. you know how long did it take for things to resume uh, uh, normal uh, normality before Hugo, I don't want to say passed into people's memories, but it, things were were getting better. The electricity was back. The water was back. P- uh, people were uh, going back to their jobs. Schools were reopening. You know, life comes back to normal fairly slowly when you get to something like that. But it, it was, uh, and it did take a while. And as I say, it uh, it just really preyed on people's minds.
2: Can you believe it's been 30 years? No.
3: No, I can't. And My th- knees can. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I always tell people, as it relates to Hugo, and you were talking about all the uh, wood that was stacked up in people's yards, because that was at the point where they had gone and cut things up and trying to get it cleaned out. Uh But I always tell people, Charlotte is known as the city of trees, and you have all these massive oak trees, especially in places like Myers Park and Dilworth. And I always tell people who aren't from Charlotte, didn't grow up here, and they say, boy, the city is so beautiful, so many trees everywhere. I say, well, I can go to places... Where I grew up and look down the street and remember where the trees used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were these massive oak trees just right and left over the road. I mean, it, it is the most mind boggling thing when you go back and see footage of it. And I think about it, and you guys do too. But uh, well, they, lost,
5: they lost like double digit percentages of the canopy. Yeah. yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Not just in Charlotte, but the whole from Charleston to charlotte
2: if
3: don mcswain is around and he's listening to this he'll call and he'll tell you exactly what it was he was the city arborist at the time and uh it was a massive diminution of uh the vegetation around here and like you say those big trees especially with all that rain they got loose and then when they go across the road like you say it takes uh, a bulldozer chainsaw i mean it's really tough to clear those roads and i mean a lot of it was on queen's road major uh uh Thoroughfare, So uh, they were all over the place, and people were out there, even their neighbors, uh, with those little tiny chainsaws were trying to cut those things
2: up. Like I said, 30 years, three decades, and in many ways, it seems like yesterday for both of you And you were listening to that audio, taking you back to that moment, this podcast becomes... The story of record in some ways. I mean, like I said, I don't know, outside of having Tom Desio in this room right now, or Scott Kilgore and Sharon Shuffleman, or some of the uh, others who've passed on, like Henry Bogan, or or uh, Ray Gooding, or I could go on, but the two of you, as it relates to this radio station, and this is a story that is so synonymous with this radio station and the community. Not that others other people weren't doing great things, but this is just one of those stories that will always be connected to us there's no better duo to tell the story than the two of you
5: it's a salute to the resiliency of not only the broadcasting industry but uh, of people in general um, because yes we were one of the one of the only stations on the air but every broadcast entity uh, all, all of the calls WSOC uh, once once they got back on the air everybody chipped in. There, there there, wasn't anybody that was saying, hey, look at me. We're, we're doing this better than anybody else. Uh, you, you did the best you could to provide the information and do your job. But also, 30 years later, we're still here.
2: 30 years since Hurricane Hugo, 30 years since the two of you, Don Russell and James K. Flynn, have been Beside each other, behind microphones in this building, uh, this has been fascinating to me to listen to. And like you both said, you, you kind of pick up right where you left off. But I hope you guys have enjoyed this as much as oh, I man, have. Oh man,
5: I
3: thought it was great. Can we change the lighting at all? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not important. Like I said, uh, it has been uh, much to many people's chagrin when you when you uh, when you love what you do. It's not work for one thing, and. Uh, to be able to sit down and, and relive my career here uh, has really been special. I mean, I've uh, I've really enjoyed talking about it. I always enjoy talking about it. I like to talk to young people about it, too, because they have no idea what it was like. Same thing for, uh, you know... Uh, people who grew up in the 20s and the 30s and went through the depression—I mean, I have no idea what that was about—but that's a seminal moment in their life. Up until Hugo, or actually up until 9/11, I thought the JFK assassination was going to be the defining event in my life, but it's not. It's uh, it's a, it's 9/11, and uh, God forbid something else should come along to take its place. But uh, people, like you say, people always remember those uh, significant moments in their life and where they were and what they were doing and what they did about it.
2: Well, you say you like to talk to young people about radio. Uh, I hope you guys know how much you meant to me. I wouldn't be doing this right now talking to you well, I, had I, I not heard both of you via eleven ten a.m. And uh, you made me you made me you're one of the two that made me want to do this. So so thank you for coming in. Well, and thank I, you I for those
5: it.
3: words. I really appreciate it. It's
5: also comforting to us to know that there are people like you sitting in that chair that believe the way we
3: believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it has to be passed down. Uh, the uh, form that it takes sometimes is different. But, I mean, to have a surviving AM radio station in 2019, that I mean, is really, really something. Uh, I can't tell you how many people have uh, asked me. They find out I was on the radio, young people. And they go, well, what station were you on? I said, I was on WBT. WBT. Yeah, 1110 AM. AM. Yeah, uh-huh. It's like right in the middle of the dial, AM. Geez, I don't have that
2: on my radio. What's a dial? Yeah, yeah, what's a dial? Here, listen to this cassette. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Bo. Appreciate it.
4: Cutting, trimming, sawing. Cutting, trimming, sawing. Cutting, trimming, sawing. Cutting, trimming, sawing. Cut and trim and sawing Through the wood you're drawing While your neighbor's jawing Chainsaw With spark plug gas and oil On trees and limbs you'll toil Till your yard is cleared up Near and far Old Hugo was a Messing, it really was Distressing, trees upon Your house and your car Cut them down. Chop them up. Chop em up. Cut em down. Cut em down. Chop em up. Chainsaw. Cut them up. Chop them down. Chop them down. down. Cut em up. Chop them down. Cut them up. 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 Chainsaw. Pine trees fell on churches. Oaks where birdies perches. Cut them sons of birches. Chainsaw. The power lines were bending. The noise was never ending. Everybody trying to do their part. People will abuse one. Most folks have never used one. How do you get the darn thing to start? Cut them down. Chop them up. up. cut them down. down. Chop them down. Chop. Chop. Down. 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 Chainsaw. Cut them up. Chop them down. Chop them down. Chop them up. Cut them down. Chainsaw. Hi there. Welcome to Tools R Us. How can I help you? Yeah, buddy, right? This chainsaw you saw me last week, it don't work. Oh? Well, you said it would cut five cords uh, of wood a day, and it only cut one. Gosh, I, I can't understand that. I'm real disappointed. I understand, but we, we do stand behind our products. Oh, that's uh, good. Let's see what the the trouble could be here. Oh, my God, what's that noise? Chop them down, chop them up, chop them down, chop them up. Chainsaw, chop them up, chop them down, chop them down, Get them up, get them up, chop them down. Chainsaw. Okay, but what kind of chainsaw is it? I don't know. Is it a home light? No. no. A mallet? No. A steel? No. I know what it is. It's a. Poling, poling, poling. Though your hands are swollen, keep them logs a rolling. Chainsaw. Because of all your labors, you now can see your neighbors. Maybe you can finally get some sleep. Then the purchase was a must, but now it just collects dust. Anybody want to buy a chainsaw real cheap? Cut them down. Chop them up. Chop them up. Cut em down. Get them down. Chop em up. Chainsaw. Cut them up. Chop them down. Chop them down. down. Cut them up. Cut em up. Chop them down. down. Chainsaw. Jameson oh.